Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Today we'll be discussing prenatal drug abuse, when and what to expect if your child you've adopted has been exposed to um, drugs, alcohol, caffeine, anything else like that. Um, we are doing a two-part series with Dr. Charles Sophie, um, and we have a lot to share today. So let me share a little bit with you about our website also. If you have information that you'd like to share with us or questions you'd like to post to us for a future show, please visit our site at letstalkadoption.com and you can sign up for a free reminder um, on there. We'll send you an email and let you know what the shows are coming up. We can send that worldwide, of course. So uh, do do that on our site. But uh, today, Dr. Sophie is coming back again, Dr. Charles Sophie, and um, he's going to be discussing the prenatal drug abuse. And if you have adopted or you have a child that has been exposed to drugs, maybe your grandparent and you're parenting uh, a grandchild um, because um, the birth family has used drugs, uh, there are things that you need to know about and services available for you. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the medical part of that, too, with Dr. Sophie. Dr. Sophie, again, is uh, board certified in family practice, child adolescent uh, psychiatry and adult psychiatry. He has over 20 years of experience, including uh, serving as a medical director for Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services, which is a a huge um, position and a lot of work. Um, He also speaks all over the nation. Um, Throughout uh, his career, he has continued his private practice in uh, child, adolescent, and adult psychiatry. Uh, He has also uh, been awarded some wonderful um, awards for his excellence in his work, and he has been interviewed and quoted in a number of um, print media, magazines, newspapers, and also been on almost all the um, national uh, networks. So uh, we're really thrilled to have uh, Dr. Sophie back again. Thank you again, Dr. Sophie, for joining us this week um, you know, so we can go over this important topic. You know, last week we, we explained some of the stats we have, um, and I'd like to repeat some of those of the the exposure, you know, and, and, and what type of exposure you're talking about when children are exposed to different drugs prenatally. If you could share some of those stats with us, that'd be great. Uh, somewhere between 2 to 3 percent of birth defects of our children are secondary to drug or alcohol exposure in utero, and nearly 3% of pregnant women as of the 2003 CDC uh, information uh, mm-hmm. use some type of drug, whether it's illicit, social, over-the-counter, or prescription. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we talked about last week that, and again, not to frighten adopted parents, because we're going to have, you know, people listening to the show, um, you know, we have adoption professionals, and we have uh, adoptive parents and birth parents, and, and others just care about adoption. Um, but it's it's the knowledge, I think, is important to know what's going on, educators that um, are um, teaching and caring, uh, caregivers that are caring for children that have had drug exposure. Um, that was one of the questions that was posed to me for this program, is I'm caring uh, as a, a child care provider. Um, she's this woman's caring for children that have had drug exposure, and she's noticing that some need more attention than others. Um, any right. any suggestions on gathering the information on you know what drugs they've used, or how do you approach a family about that? Well, I, I think the most important thing to realize again is the silent victim in all of this is the child, mm-hmm. and that these children not only from the pr- the potential of the prenatal exposure, these kids are also at increased risk of child abuse and neglect mm-hmm. because. The, from these parents, from the parents mm-hmm. who used, because mm-hmm. they were using in the first place, right? And they also may be labor-intensive children, and so, you know, we're asking caregivers, family, relative caregivers, to try to understand this whole process and get empowered by knowledge 
in mm-hmm. shows like this to be able to have the ability to get these children some help so that they aren't at these increased risks. Right. And, you know, I would tell these parents to be like, to get as much information upon acceptance of that child into your home as you can, get the mm-hmm. health records, mm-hmm. talk to the doctor if possible to find out what birth was like. Was there a withdrawal syndrome? Mm-hmm. What was the actual drug found in that child's system? Mm-hmm. And then connect with a provider to do a good, thorough assessment of your child. The child is never too young to do some sort of assessment to see mm-hmm. if they're meeting the milestones they should be. Right. And I think the people need to have that information. You know, this is one thing that you have mentioned, too, and I'm paraphrasing here, but about, uh, you know, children that are not placed in adoptive homes but stay in with the birth families that that have used drugs, that they don't have a lot of skills to to parent these these children because they're dealing with their own addictions. Exactly. And share with us a little bit more about that. And, and you know, it breaks my heart because a lot of the parents um, can't, cope with placing a child, but they can't care for them either. Right, and, and that's kind of like the, uh, the direction that our department here in Los Angeles looks at. We try to keep families together so that kids have permanence. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes the biological parents, because of their own issues, are not able to care for their children, and mm-hmm. we don't necessarily want to run in there and remove those children from right. that home. We want to be able to support and empower the, those mm-hmm. parents to be able to care for their children and overcome their own issues. And mm-hmm. that's oftentimes when we have to rely on relative caregivers or friends of the family mm-hmm. and downside agencies to come in and support. So mm-hmm. um, that may mean that the child lives with grandma or grandpa or mm-hmm. their aunt or their uncle without being detained into the system of child welfare right. with the supports. And it's so overburdened. And adoption isn't for everybody. Uh, and many times, you know, birth grandparents come forth and they're very able to do that. And, and we, I personally know of a birth grand, great-grandmother raising, you know, great-grandchildren. But, you know, it, that's that we're seeing more and more of this. So what do people look for? I want to first go over uh, prenatal abuse. We didn't we covered that last week, but explain to listeners uh, that maybe missed last week's show, and we're going to have both these segments available on CD for you to purchase. Um, so you can go to our site, and you'll, you'll find that just shortly um, on how to purchase the CDs. But explain to us, um, Dr. Sophie, about what prenatal abuse really encompasses. Prenatal abuse or use is any kind of drug usage, whether it's over-the-counter, prescription, illicit, social, such as alcohol or nicotine or aspartamine or caffeine, that happens during the carrying of a fetus. And Mm -hmm. the vital time that has the biggest impact on any child or fetus is the first trimester. Mm -hmm. And so it behooves any pregnant female to please talk to their care, primary care physician or their Mm -hmm. OB or whoever's caring for them during that time to be honest and open with them and know the usage and the uh, the amounts so that we're able to kind of support that mom mm-hmm. through this process. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, because of socioeconomic issues, these, these moms are often um, victims of uh, mental health needs, health needs, substance abuse, they're neglected themselves, their financial issues impact them from wanting to come forward or their own shame. Mm-hmm. But I'm um, you know, we're asking them to please come forward and be able to be open so that we can reach to them without judgment. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's what we're trying to do with this program, too. Here's a question that came in. Um, you know, my, our birth mother had bipolar disorder. Uh, what are the chances this will be passed on to our child that we adopted? There are significant genetic studies that support that there is a pretty heavy genetic component to bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. However, it's not directly related from parent to child. 
Okay. So, and in a, a simple lay terms, it's really hard to tell at this point. Can, is there testing they can do? No, there's no testing actually you can do, but from the studies that um, have been done, it shows that oftentimes it'll be an, uh, an aunt or an uncle who will have passed it on. So you'll have a, ch- a child born and their aunt and uncle may have had it and then mm-hmm. they have it. It's not their parent who had it. Mm-hmm. So you never really know. And you know, we've seen birth parents that have given birth to really healthy children and then given birth to another child with a hole in their heart or Absolutely. or some, you know, death. Um, so, you know, and they've done nothing at all. So, you know, uh, even biologically, you know, that can be a, a People think that, oh, if I adopt, I'm going to get this, you know, perfect child, right. um, but they could biologically have it. What kind of things can people look for? So their parenting, we'll address the parents that are parenting right now, children they know have been exposed to, um, you know, uh, meth Meth is a big thing. I guess, is that one of the biggest drugs people are using today? Yeah, it, it's a significant drug that's being used. Mm-hmm. But what I, I would tell uh, adoptive parents or foster parents or relative caregivers, the things you want to look at when you get this child into your home are what was their birth weight? Were they premature or are they still premature? Mm-hmm. Are they, you know, small for their age? Are they mm-hmm. thriving? Mm-hmm. You know, failure to thrive is a big thing in these infants, that they're, they're eating but they're not growing or they're mm-hmm. not bonding. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about failure to thrive, you're looking at issues from the emotional standpoint as well as the uh, physical and developmental standpoint. Mm-hmm. You're looking to see, you know, have they had infections now? in their young life. Mm-hmm. Um, they are at increased risk for SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. So find out what you need to know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome and its components and its mm-hmm. issues. Educate yourself to as much as you can. And then, you know, the biggest thing in the first birth to 15 months is looking at their sleeping mm-hmm. and being able to report that to your care provider, your doctor, feeding difficulties, mm-hmm. irritability, mm-hmm. social interaction issues, mm-hmm. delayed and, language. Mm-hmm. And all that. And, and, you know, I've also heard, too, that swaddling, I know we've done this when I've cared for babies in our home, uh, swaddling uh, babies, I, I say little burritos because I wrap them up right, in little, exactly. little burritos, exactly. and then I, um, I rock and walk with them, and right. I, I wear carriers on my, right. my front of my right. chest with them, and they can hear my heartbeat. Right. So um, do you find that's really helpful, too? It's very helpful. The ability to teach your child early on how to self-soothe, mm-hmm. whether that's an ex- prenatally expo- exposed child or mm-hmm. not, is vital to a child for them to be able to trust that they know how to calm themselves down and especially mm-hmm. in a child who's got some irritability going on mm-hmm. because of a withdrawal or a drug exposure mm-hmm. they have to learn that even more importantly mm-hmm. early on and so tightening mm-hmm. them up both mm-hmm. physically and emotionally mm-hmm. having them feel that safety and that mm-hmm. containedness is, is just yeah. And I find too that uh, if I if I um, I don't say bounce, but up and down rocking, right. uh, it's uh, it's tiring sometimes. But up and down rocking and also a pacifier, which I usually don't recommend right. pacifiers. But right. if the baby's been really exposed to drugs, right. uh, so you recommend that too? Absolutely, they okay. need to be soothed. Yeah, and I think that's important. Do you um, do you find also that music helps? I know that some people say massage, uh, infant massage helps yep. children. Infant massage, great music, mm-hmm. um, humidifiers. Humidifiers. All kinds of relaxing techniques. There's baby yoga out there now. Mm -hmm. There's ways to really teach your child how to self-soothe and how to Mm -hmm. find within themselves the ability to bring themselves back down. And that's going to really help for later on when these children are going to need to self-soothe and they're in school and they don't have mom there to rock. Absolutely. mm -hmm. So you're you're teaching these skills to their infants early on in life. Absolutely. So what do you say to the the adopted parents listening now that have adopted children out of foster care that may be um, 9, 10 years old and they've had drug exposure? How can they pick up at this point and really help their kids? Look at, prob- look at five vital areas of your child's life. Look at how they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Look at how they're eating. 
Mm-hmm. Look at how their social, their work is at school, both from a behavioral standpoint of school and an academic work standpoint. Mm-hmm. Look at how their emotional expression is mm-hmm. and look at how they play and socialize. And out of those five areas, pick out the weaknesses and the strengths. Yeah. And with that list, go forward to get the the uh, connections you need. Right. Well, we've got some more questions for you, too. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to share more about prenatal drug abuse and what to expect if your child has uh, been exposed uh, prenatally and now you're parenting. So uh, Dr. Sophie has a lot more information for us. Um, hold on. We'll be right back after this real quick break. God has a plan for each of us. Sometimes we simply aren't sure what that is. Many Christian families are struggling today with infertility and pregnancy loss and feel forgotten as to God's plan for their lives. Is God trying to convey His plan to you? Perhaps He is trying to lead you to another path for building your family. Christian families are being built every day through the miracle of adoption. There is hope and there's a child for you. Visit LifetimeAdoption.org. Or call 530-432-7373 to learn more about welcoming a baby into your heart through adoption. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell. And if you just joined the program today, we're doing our second part uh, with Dr. Charles Sophie, Medical Director for Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services on prenatal abuse. And today we're discussing um, the second part, which is what to expect if your child you've adopted or your parenting, maybe your grandparent even, or a caregiver, uh, has been exposed prenatally and uh, how to really help that child and help your family too. Uh, uh, Dr. Sophie, I wanted to mention uh, briefly, I, I'm going to give a little plug for my book here, AdoptingOnline.com. If anybody is interested in adopting, there is a section in there um, on some resources available for people that are um, parents that are uh, parenting a child with some uh, exposure too. So that's AdoptingOnline.com. Before we went to break, we were discussing you know, infant massage and swaddling children and things like that. Is there a mattress that there's these new uh, therapeutic masters? I know we have one, and I sleep much better on it. Uh, any type of mattress that might help a child or a darker room that has had some exposure to drugs? I think the less stimulation for a child, the better off it'll be. So less, and, not big, bright colors then. Yeah, exactly. And some good aromatherapy in your humidifier, mm-hmm. um, some good soothing music, keep it dark, keep it nice and cool, keep them mm-hmm. safe and tightly swaddled. Mm-hmm. They're the secure things that they need. And oftentimes, maybe if it's too dark, <laughs> that'll be stimulating in a not in a negative way for a child. Mm-hmm. So it's, in each case, it's different, but it's really to lower the stimulation. Okay. And, and that's what's really helpful to help your children be organized. I noticed that uh, a lot of children, too, that... Um, a struggle with ADD maybe, um, have a hard time keeping things organized. Right. Um, so, you know, we can come up with some other areas to help your children in that area. Um, you know, let's go ahead and discuss um, some of the, um, first I want to give out uh, your website too, because you've got a lot of information on your website. Let's give your website out now. It's uh, Dr. Sophie, dot com. Okay. And I know you have some articles on there, and even just Googling your name comes up with a number of uh, wonderful articles you've written and where you've been interviewed, too. Um, 
Why is it specifically important to find out the drugs that birth mothers or birth fathers used uh, during the pregnancy when you're parenting? Uh, is there any particular you know, reason that people need to really know that, and how is it helpful after the baby's um, in the home? It's important to know the specific drug, and it's also important, if you can, know how much exposure mm-hmm. that child had had, both in time and in an amount. And, so the, that, and when? What, what part of the pregnancy? Exactly. Because the, the first trimester is the vital piece. And so mm-hmm. if we can get those pieces of information, it helps us link up with the research that's been done with that specific drug and really be able to start to look at the developmental disabilities or the physical issues that may come up with that child known Mm-hmm. to that drug. But in general, we just keep an eye on that mm-hmm. child in all areas of their life. You know, uh, it's, I guess it's very common now for children entering preschool and kindergarten to have a whole medical report. Um, and I know that some parents are a little leery of sharing that. You know, they, they are questions about how was your delivery? Were there any drugs used? Um, uh, what were the scores of your child, Epcot scores? Um, right. Are there any concerns for parent on getting this information out there that their children will be labeled? Well, I think, you know, parents have a concern that's valid that, you know, I don't want to put that out there because someone may have a uh, preconceived notion of what my child is, and then Mm -hmm. they link a behavior that my child may have with, aha, that's the reason. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the the truth. And what that does is it kind of tunnel visions anyone away from really having a broader context of what that behavioral issue may be for that child. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it behooves parents to be open and honest, but also, you know, kind of have an open mind and remember to bring the school or whoever's looking at that child mm-hmm. to the place of a broader context. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something I share with a lot of people is that uh, if your child, if you know that your birth mother has used drugs, don't share it with everyone in your family because that can come back later on. And I've seen this happen where people are excited once they're matched with the birth mom and then they share, but she did use some drugs. And then that goes over to our Aunt Martha or you know Uncle Ter- Tom and, and he shares. And then pretty soon the nephews and nieces uh, bring that up later on and use it against the child. It really, again, it's the silent victim syndrome mm-hmm. with the child. And mm-hmm. so, you know, always keep in mind that this does impact at the end of the day your child, whether mm-hmm. they hear it from someone else saying it or people treat them differently or kind of want to label them or mold them. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt and focus on really getting that child the help they need. Well, let's talk about some of the different types of drugs, too. I mean, what do you, you were talking about uh, last week, we talked about caffeine um, and we talked about um, aspartame and a few other things, too, and, and nicotine. Um, how will these drugs affect, and I know I'm asking a really broad question here, children later in their learning, that type of thing. Um, There's been you- different studies on different drugs. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll go back to the first trimester is the imperative time and the amount and the, you know, stopping of that drug at a vital time. Mm -hmm. And um, the more you use, the earlier in your pregnancy, the worse the outcome will be for that child. Mm -hmm. And so if you can stop early on and you can really keep an eye on that child and if withdrawal is either minimal or nothing Mm -hmm. on birth, you have a great outcome potential. And Mm -hmm. the prognosis is excellent. If you have barriers along the way or you have a pretty bad withdrawal or you have a large consumption during the first trimester, depending on the drug, you will look at what what the deficit should be. But in general, Mm -hmm. it's hard to to kind of pinpoint that alcohol will cause this and Mm -hmm. caffeine will cause that Mm -hmm. because there's so many variables into this whole process. And so it just behooves you to really know your situation and really keep an eye on it. Now, let's address adoptive parents listening now that might say, oh my gosh, why I want someone without any exposure at all? Um, And so they pass up some really wonderful situations because I've been doing adoptions for 21 years and I've tracked a lot of these kids that had heavy drug exposure and very little drug exposure and uh and i see 
you know, nurture nature, which we're going to talk about, but can you address some of the fears that adoptive parents have about being fearful about going forth? What would you, what would you say to them when they have a situation, but they're really worried about it? I would tell them to learn as much as they can about it, because in that knowledge becomes the power to mm-hmm. be able to make an informed decision. And the informed decision will be so clear to them once mm-hmm. the fear is out of the way. Right. And that's why I'm, I'm, we really want to make this a program available to a lot of people. We'll have this on CD also, a two-part CD, because um, we want people to be aware of this and not get fearful because, right. oh, my gosh, she had a cigarette right. um, or she drank coffee. Right. No one's perfect. Mm-hmm. Every child is born with something. We all are. Yeah. I think that's a, we are. That's right. Um, you know, well, let's talk about nature and nurture. What, um, you know, I've, I've seen, I, I had a situation probably about 13 years ago, 14 years ago, we did a meth, uh, methadone maintenance uh, baby that was born. And I actually went to the hospital and the baby was having withdrawals and the, uh, the birth family did tell us this was the situation. And I've tracked this little boy and uh, he did have some ADD. He's had some problems, but he's doing very well now at age 13. Um, but his, his, his adoptive mother went in the hospital and the nurses didn't want her to hold the baby. She said, this is my baby. I'm holding the baby with all his little tubes and lifted him up and held him to her, her chest and rocked him and held him and really spent a lot of time with this little boy. And I think it made a huge difference. Absolutely. I mean, the incidence of reactive attachment disorder, which is a psychiatric disorder with specific criteria, is significantly high in these children because people don't either want to pick them up, they don't know how to comfort them, they feel that they're inconsolable or unconsolable children. The issue is not that. The issue is reach in there, go past all that, and mm-hmm. reach to that child and show them that there is someone to reach to and bond to, and you have saved that kid's life emotionally. Mm-hmm. And as we know, your emotions take over a lot of your physical well-being. Right, and uh, I think that's real important. And I know we're getting to the end of the program, but how about negativity during pregnancy? Birth mom's feeling really negative about this, birth father's not responding, or she had, she's had a lot of problems in her life. Will the, her negativity affect the, her baby? It can, mm-hmm. but we want to minimize that. And yeah. so, again, reach out. Don't be ashamed. Don't yeah. be afraid. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong. Yeah. There's nothing bad enough that no one can reach out to help you. And I think this is why I just I wrote an article about this just recently, how important it is for adoptive parents to learn and have empathy for the woman that's carrying their child. Absolutely. And care for this woman and Absolutely. give her phone calls and send her cards yeah. and go to the doctor with her and support her because um, she deserves it just as a human being, as a wonderful woman. And without our birth mothers, we would not be mommies and daddies. Absolutely. The other part of it is look at that birth mother and find out the strengths about her. Mm-hmm. And the biggest strength is that she cared enough about this child to carry him through. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that, um, you know, that this is difficult for everybody and uh, especially for her because she's carrying this baby and then releasing it at the end of her pregnancy. And we need to really put that into focus on what we're really dealing with here. And uh, uh, it's important that we respect them too. Whatever they've gone through, we've all had issues in our life that we wish we hadn't done. But um, this has helped. Any last type things you'd like to share with listeners as far as um, work you're doing or encouragement? I just would like people to take a look at fear within themselves and to be aware of themselves and why are they adopting and be sure and be clear that they're adopting because they want to help someone and it's not just that baby and it's not just meeting the needs of I need to have a baby. It's taking a life, a human Mm -hmm. life, and helping it evolve. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's a mom attached to that who hasn't done the best things in her life, but to find the strengths in people and build upon those strengths. Right. Exactly. And I think that's the the key there, too, and that, you know what, I believe what we give, we get back. 
and I think caring and loving for these uh, these wonderful women and men. And we've all made mistakes at different levels. Some get caught and some don't. Right. And uh, what's best for the baby, too. So, Dr. Sophie, I appreciate it. Let's give out your website one more time so people can visit your wonderful website. DrSophie.com, D-R-S-O-P-H-Y.com. Okay. And thank you again for being in this two-part series. And thank if you. anybody's interested, we'd love to have you um, request a copy of this, too. Uh, they'll be on our website uh, shortly, too. So thank you again, Dr. Sophie. Thank you. Take care. Well, listen, we've had a wonderful two-part series here, and I really appreciate you attending and and being part of this with us. And uh, it's just been a pleasure to be with you. I've learned a lot myself. So send your questions in to me at info at letstalkadoption.com. Until next week, this is Marty Caldwell, and have a wonderful week. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. Marty Caldwell.